In 2011, the African Ministers of Finance, of Planning and Economic Development, jointly convened by the African Union and the UN Economic Commission for Africa, identified these illicit capital outflows as constituting a major obstacle to our development efforts. And accordingly, they decided to form a high-level panel to investigate and make recommendations about what Africa should do to stop these illicit financial outflows. The panel, which I had the privilege to chair, started its work in 2012 and submitted its report to the 24th Ordinary Session of the Assembly of African Union Heads of State and Government this, this January. And the Assembly adopted the report and its recommendations. By way of background, it is estimated that over the last 50 years, Africa has lost in excess of a trillion dollars in illicit financial outflows. And our panel further estimated that our continent loses annually over $50 billion through these illicit outflows. And we must explain that this estimate is based on data obtained from the International Monetary Fund Direction of Trade Statistics, which, as Raymond Baker, Director of the Global Financial Integrity, explains, report annual exports and imports for all pairs of reporting countries. And therefore, the figure of 50 billion is, uh, is an underestimate, as it excludes such elements as trade in services and intangibles, a process of bribery and trafficking in drugs, people and firearms. But as we have said, the African ministers decided to investigate the matter of these outflows because of the immense development challenges which face the continent. And for us to meet these challenges requires huge volumes of capital. And accordingly, it does not make any sense that we should be exporting capital which should be retained within the continent. You will recall that later this year, the Millennium Development Goals, the MDGs adopted in the year 2000, will be replaced by the new Sustainable Development Goals. And in this regard, you know that many of our African countries did not achieve all of these MDGs because of insufficient capital to finance the required actions. And you'll also recall that to address this challenge, the challenge of generating resources to enable all countries to realize the MDGs, in 2002, the UN convened the International Conference on Financing for Development. And as you know, the next International Conference on Financing for Development will be held in Addis Ababa in July this year. It is clear that this time round, the conference will pay particular attention to the matter of domestic resource mobilization to finance the new development goals. And the second last finding we would like to mention concerns the important matter of corruption. And in this regard, the panel said, and I quote again, corruption remains a, major, a matter of major concern despite the global and regional attention 
that resulted in the adoption of the United Nations Convention Against Corruption. Let's try and unpack what uh, President Abombege has said right now, saying that, you know, over over 50 years, over a trillion dollars has been lost in Africa. Some would say 50 years, a trillion dollars, maybe that's negligible. But uh, in the face of a famine, hunger, wars in Africa, that's a lot of money. It is. It is indeed a, lo- a lot of money in a, in, a, in a continent that is besieged by uh, such uh, problems as, uh, you know, un- unemployment, even youth unemployment, hunger, you know, chronic poverty uh, and, and underdevelopment. So I think the, 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 the figure, whether you look at it in terms of 50 years uh, or whether you look at it in terms of um, the 50 billion estimated that Africa loses annually, it, it is really worrisome. And and where is the leak happening? Is it is it leaking, you know, just because there's there's fraud, just because we don't do proper accounting? Is it plundering of resources? Where exactly can you pin your finger and say this is where this is happening? Well, the issue is multifaceted and, and multidimensional. I don't think um, you know there is an easy way of or the, the you know the easy. Uh, point where you can say this is uh, the cause, but I think um, the major major contributor to the problem uh, of illicit financial flaws in Africa, it is the old age problem uh, of our government or lack of political will, and I, I, I spoke today in, in the parliament and said you know, if as long as we pay lip service uh, to the issues of good governance as long as we are not commit out to uh, accountability and, and transparency you know most of our governments uh, we, we, we come to Pan-African Parliament and we speak about uh, this the, how worried we are about such things as illicit flaws but when when in our own Parliament our own legislations when laws uh, you know to do with access to information are brought we shoot them down because we don't want our citizens uh, to be aware to have the information about what is happening and that this fuels corruption the secrecy uh, that surrounds Africa is corrosive and it, it is it continues to corrosively eat away th- those mega resources that we could be using uh, to develop our people you know laws such as declaration of assets most African countries and uh, they continue to shun such laws and and as, as long as we are not progressive and this is why I think the pan-african Parliament needs to go on a, a reform agenda to ensure that our governments, when, when we come here and speak about certain things, we, 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 we begin by this transformation, democratic reforms in our own backyards. And, uh, you know, Professor Somato Tafiken is an analyst here in South Africa, and he makes a point that we, we always say, government will always tell you that we're facing a th- a triple challenges of poverty, unemployment, and uh, inequalities. But he says, no, it's actually four, because corruption is right at the heart of it. And uh, from President Tabumbegi also saying that it remains a, a serious matter of concern in the illicit outflows of uh, capital here in, South Af- in Africa. It is, it is, it is, and and to a large extent. I mean, if you you still have um, um, anti-corruption agencies um, that are not 
as independent as they are supposed to be on the African continent. I mean, when you look at the, the, the map out, you would find that most anti-corruption agencies are still, uh, say, under the presidency in most instances. And how do they continue to, 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 to do the, 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 the you know, watchdog role? How do they continue to play the oversight role if they are uh, still you know, uh, under uh, the same people that they're supposed to be, to be keeping an eye on? So corruption and corrupt tendencies, we may blame uh, colonial legacy, we may blame multinational all, all we want, but what is, the, what, what is true and what is uh, coming out is that uh, we create an environment that gives this whoever else who has an ulterior motive the chance to, to, to uh, loot uh, and, and, and take away the resources that, uh, as I said, we should be using to, to develop our people. Is there a political will, for instance, in an institution like the Pan-African Parliament uh, to first deal with this issue right here today as you are meeting for the next uh, sitting, uh, for the duration of the sitting, to say it needs to come to an end, but also to even track where these resources and uh, these monies uh, uh, go to? Well, you know, the issue of uh, political will is also, uh, for me, I think, um, a very you know, a hot potato because it is one thing to say to a panel had you know chaired by President Becky uh, that you know as leaders of Africa uh, we are committed uh, to dealing with this issue of illicit flaws but it is quite another thing uh, for uh, African leaders to walk the talk and I think uh, you know the, 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 the reluctance or the lack of political will uh, manifests itself immediately I mean right now the Pan-African Parliament uh, has been an advisory body and uh, it was resolved that it becomes a legislative body and government, African governments are you know, w- you know, working at snail pace in terms of you know, signing the protocol to ensure that the uh, Pan-African Parliament has a much more uh, meaningful role in, in you know, ch- charting the way uh, to a better future for Africa. So uh, that's the starting point. If, if African governments can sign and, and, and ratify this protocol that gives a Pan-African Parliament and makes it a legislative body, then the, the, the Parliament can play, I think, as, as, as I see it, a much more active role, a much more proactive role in terms of uh, championing the reform agenda on the continent. In conversation with Dr. Peña Budale, who is the leader of uh, the Botswana delegation to the Pan-African Parliament, you are saying, uh, Dr. Budale, also that, uh, you know, it's concerning that some of these watchdogs, you know, uh, are housed in government and housed in presidency, so it's going to be difficult for them really to to report, uh, you know, independently uh, on, on, on their findings. But the issue of the media and media freedom also uh, is, is another concern that is coming out of, uh, of your country for instance, we, we heard the, the equivalent of the South African National Editors Forum in your country raising this as an issue that there's a serious clamp down on the media there. Yes, and, and you know, we had a, 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 an incident recently where a body, uh, an, an anti-corruption body, which I, be, I expect to be uh, protecting or leading uh, the call for protection of whistleblowers, we saw an incident where they went to um, uh, the offices of one newspaper and, uh, you know, pu- wanted to confiscate their computers, wanted to arrest uh, the journalists 
journalist. They actually ended up locking up the journalist and their lawyer uh, because they had there is what is called the um, the anti-corruption act that says that you cannot um, reveal uh, information about an investigation that is being conducted because you are letting the person who is supposed who is investigated, which I find to be self-defeating because at the end of the day, the, the media has to be seen and viewed as 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 a partner in the fight against corruption. But you find an anti-corruption body that is housed in the presidency and 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 um, um, you know now colluding uh, with the same people in power to clamp down on the media, ensure that the media, if they are to report any other story in future, they will think twice about it. And then you have issues around self-censorship. So I think these are the examples. I mean, this, this is what I was saying, that we cannot uh, uh, keep grants, you know, this grandstanding and uh, saying things when we are on the international platform while on the domestic uh, um, you know, situation, it, it points to the whole different direction. So the, the issue of media freedom and the media being able to play its uh, you know, role as a watchdog, as a fourth estate, uh, also says a lot uh, about whether we are serious uh, on, on fighting ills such as corruption, ills such as uh, this, what we're talking about today, illicit flaws of uh, financial flaws.